Hey guys, I'm Landon. And I'm McKinley. And this is the first episode of Bikini Bottom Live. Today we'll be starting at the beginning of it all, the first episode of SpongeBob SquarePants, Help Wanted, which premiered on May 1st, 1999. But before we dive in, we need to talk about where this idea came from. Let's go back even further than 1999 to 1984. A marine biologist by the name of Stephen Hillenberg is working at the Orange County Marine Institute. He creates a comic book for the Institute called Intertidal Zone, which starred a realistic-looking sea sponge named Bob. This is where his love for cartoons began and eventually led him to the creative director of Rocco's Modern Life at Nickelodeon. Once Rocco ended in 1997, work began on Sponge Boy Ahoy, but Sponge Boy was already taken by a mop company, so they went with SpongeBob SquarePants. Hillenberg kept Sponge in the name so kids wouldn't confuse him for cheese. SpongeBob personality was influenced by Jerry Lewis, Pee Wee Herman, and Stan Laurel. Just a side note here for any inspiring animators, like myself, great things usually take time. From concept to final release, it took SpongeBob 15 years to become a show, so just remember that. If anybody else would like more info about the history of the show, or the info on this episode, we will have that all in the show notes. Now, let's really dive in. Are y'all ready, kids? Aye, aye, Captain! I can't hear you! Aye, aye, Captain! Oh! Help Wanted, written by Stephen Hillenberg, Derek Dryman, and Tim Hill. We start with the French narrator, voiced by Tom Kenny, who also voices Spongebob and many other characters. Ah, the sea... So fascinating, so wonderful. Here we see Bikini Bottom teeming with life, home to one of my favorite creatures, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, of course he lives in a pineapple, you silly. That's that's the best I got. So yeah, take it take it as I am. Take it as I am. Take me as I am. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Act One. We establish the underwater city of Bikini Bottom along with Patrick, Squidward, and SpongeBob's houses. Then cut to SpongeBob's bedroom. SpongeBob wakes up by the uh, foghorn clock and tells Gary, "Today is the big day." He jumps off his diving board, screaming, "Look at me! I'm naked!" So right here, we've already established this show's long-term relationship with cartoon nudity. Fun kids. This is this is also the very first time we see. Many of other themes throughout the show, such as SpongeBob's reoccurring uh, foghorn clock and his bedroom setup. However, this episode, his bedroom is set up on the right side, where all sequential episodes is set up on the left side. So he jumps and he lands in his gym, does a little bit of a workout. I don't think we see his gym again. I could be wrong. I do believe it does show up a few more times, maybe once. All right, so he bursts out of his pineapple house, shouting... I'm ready. I'm ready. We get the first appearance of Patrick from under his rock home saying, Go SpongeBob! SpongeBob runs to his favorite restaurant, the Krusty Krab, home of the Krabby Patty. With a help on its sign in the window, SpongeBob plans on going and taking the job, but chickens out and Patrick appears to help pump him up. Uh, now, it also should be noted that despite seeing uh, all three of their houses, we, we, at this point, have nothing that says that that is Squidward's house, which uh, brings up the question of uh, the relationship 
between uh, how did Squidward know SpongeBob for people who had never seen the show before on its first airing. We have this solved, obviously, in the very next episode, Reef Blower. But before that episode, there's no confirmation of how Squidward and SpongeBob know each other. Very true. So after P- Patrick pumps up SpongeBob, he goes. He starts running back to the Krusty Krab. And we get the first appearance of Squidward cleaning graffiti of himself off of the glass front door of the Krusty Krab. It says, loser. It's written in probably red permanent marker. Uh, he turns to see Spongebob and, he's, and we establish that Squidward knows Spongebob. And he's he's very annoyed already because Spongebob is singing or, or whatever he's doing. You know, he's going, I'm ready, I'm ready. And he sees the help wanted sign and then realizes Spongebob has showed up to take the job. So Squidward panics, runs inside, screaming, Mr. Krabs, Mr. Krabs. We establish Mr. Krabs, who is sniffing money. So we know he loves money. It's an, it's an immediate characterization of him as both the, the manager slash owner of the restaurant, but also someone who is extremely in love with money. Before Squidward can get a word in, Spongebob walks in. Old West style, very epically, very dramatic lighting, and trips, bounces all over the restaurant, uh, Spongebob lands, and we get this uh, conversation with Mr. Krabs is like, Spongebob's ready to work at the Krusty Krab, and Mr. Uh, Spongebob wants to prove himself, so Mr. Krabs, to get rid of Spongebob, comes up with the hydrodynamic spatula with port and starboard attachments and the turbo drive. Spongebob writes it all down. He's uh, He is sent off to find it. Mr. Krabs says we'll never see that. <laughs> I think he says lubber again. Or whatever he says. And, uh, and then Squibber goes, You're terrible. A hydro one. <laughs> and then we get Mr. Krabs' sort of Popeye laugh. I, guess, I think it's a takeoff of Popeye. He goes, Which, you know, it's very hard to do. So beautiful impressions all Yes. Around. We are not voice actors. So in the first act we've already established the personalities of SpongeBob, Gary, Patrick and Patrick, Squibbert, and Mr. Krabs. We have SpongeBob, the young, optimistic, uh, aspiring fry cook who lives in a pineapple home. We have Patrick, the lovable but dumb starfish who lives under a rock next to SpongeBob. We still don't know that the Tiki home, or whatever it is, Easter Island Head home, is Squidward's until the next episode. Uh, we know that Squidward knows Spongebob and is annoyed by him at all times. We establish Mr. Krabs knows Spongebob. Uh, he is the owner of the Krusty Krab. Well, at least we think we know Mr. Krabs knows Spongebob. No, I don't think, no, I think this is, well, we can assume that this is the very first time Spongebob has ever met Mr. Krabs. Because Squidward felt it upon himself to try and warn Mr. Krabs about Spongebob about to come in. Maybe, but Spongebob, that Mr. Krabs is his favorite restaurant, so I feel like he might have tried this before. We don't know. But he has been training for this his whole life, so... Well, see, there's a lot of questions around that in the first place. Why is Spongebob, someone who has been training their entire life to work at this crappy fast food chain, having to work this hard to get this job while Squidward... The extremely non-caring, loaf-around character has already had a job there. Right. Yeah. All that will, you know, be retconned and over-explained and changed a billion times later. But we're not worried about that. So, we'll get into Act 2. 
Five buses appear and circle the Krusty Krab. The doors open, and Mr. Krabs realizes that anchovies have arrived. We first we get this great uh, little sequence of Mr. Krabs' eyes very close up and uh, sort of like a like a like a PTSD flashback almost. We have to wonder what other experiences he's had with anchovies that has him react like this. We get the great gravel, gravelly voice of Clancy Brown going, anchovies. And Clearer goes, what? Anchovies. And they go, meet me. They burst in, more like flood, they flood in. <laughs> Engulfed Squidward and Mr. Krabs. There's hundreds of anchovies. They all look the same. They're either blue or brown. Uh, they all, I mean, they all look the same. You don't know who's a male or a female. They all look the same. Uh, and um, no one is there to cook them food. So they're mad and they're hungry. Uh, Squidward tries to establish order. And he said, can we have a single file line? Is that too much to ask? And one goes, meat. And then we get a great pause, and then the anchovies attack. <laughs> they sling Squidward and Mr. Krabs around. The anchovies form a an actual ocean of, of people and start throwing around the boat. Then we cut back to the Bargain Mart. This is the first time we see the Bargain Mart, which uh, appears a, uh, maybe several more times. I'm not sure. Uh, I know in the older episodes it's in there a lot. Um, Spongebob is just casually looking for the spatula No hurry at all Singing spatula, spatula Putting Star Wars attachments Making up jingles We immediately cut right back to the Krusty Krab Squidward and Mr. Krabs have climbed the crow's nest of the Krusty Krab Which I still don't know why the Krusty Krab has a crow's nest Inside I, sort of, of a giant treasure chest It sort of just is an attempt to fit with the, the nautical theme I guess I mean, everything is, is everything is nautically themed, if, if that wasn't quite well, obvious and already. Bikini Bottom is made out of junk. Most of the yeah. stuff's made from scrap. So, the, obviously, the Krusty Krab is made from an old treasure chest. But the it inside, also, we it don't also know re about. It also resembles a uh, lobster cage. If you've ever uh, looked up one of them, they're shaped the exact same way. Would it also be a crab cage? Possibly. Okay. Well, that's interesting. We cut right back to the Krusty Krab, where Mr. Krabs and Squidward have climbed the crow's nest to escape the ways of attacking anchovies. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the scene in World War Z, where the zombies have have turned into a human pyramid to climb the wall in Israel. Of course, that was much after this, but it it always reminds me of this. Mr. Krabs and Squidward start crying because they think they're doomed. Um... And we get an immediate, I believe this is where Act 3 would cut in. SpongeBob flies in. We get this helicopter noise. We don't know where SpongeBob's coming from. And he appears. He's flying with the spatula. And he says, did someone order a spatula? And they go, <laughs> and they're amazed because they, they didn't think this thing existed. He says, can you only believe they had one in stock? And, uh, and we get a he, shot of him showing the... The turbo drive by slapping them in the face. Yes, supporting starboard attachments and the turbo drive. He smacks them in the face, <laughs> which, you know, he, it's hilarious. Uh, so then he he says, to the kitchen, 
who's hungry? And he flies over the zombie the anchovies. Of anchovies. <laughs> and flies into the kitchen and we start the epic montage with the epic song Living in the Sunlight, Loving in the Moonlight by Tiny Tim. Which short, sort of, it goes right along with the whole theme of this episode. They're, they're world building, they're establishing the theme. Uh, even in the the show's theme song, the first thing it says is, Are You Ready, Kids? This is a kid's show. It's a quirky kid's show. So we got a Tiny Tim. I've it's, never... it's all very, very lighthearted. Yes, and super quirky. Uh, one thing that's interesting about the use of this song is because of the use of the song, it's this episode, despite being the pilot, is excluded from many, many DVD releases. Yes. Uh, because Nickelodeon did not want to pay the license fees for the song. So in some releases, they outright replaced the song. Correct. Um, SpongeBob starts to make hundreds of Krabby Patties. We see that he is a very experienced fry cook. Um, he starts slinging them with the spatula out of the window, the order window. Flies into the mouth of an anchovy and all the anchovies just stop attacking. They open up all of their mouths and he... Starts going with the Krabby Patties. Feeds them all. The anchovies finally leave. Their bellies are full. We see a large pile of cash. Mr. Krabs hires SpongeBob. We get the funny conversation where Squidward is trying to stop this. He does not want to work with SpongeBob. And Mr. Krabs keeps going, three cheers for SpongeBob. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Hip, hip, hooray. Uh, Mr. Krabs! And uh, he said, I'll be counting up my money. Runs off with the big barrel of cash. Uh, it also should be noted that he walks to the right side of the Krusty Krab. Uh, There's no doors on the left side. Because before this, his office was not on the left side, which it is in the entire rest of the series. I think that was so they didn't have to animate him actually going in to the door. And he can just walk off screen. Yeah, he just walks off screen. Don't have to worry about all that nonsense of getting the big pile of cash to the door. That's, you know, who knows how much longer that would have taken to animate. Um, should be noted that the first season was animated on cells. The rest was done digitally. Um, and that, that, take, that takes a long time. Even animating digitally takes a long time, but... Cell animation takes even longer. Um, like we said, this show took a long time to get going. Um, if Rocco had not ended in 97, we might have not have gotten Spongebob. At least um, in 99. We probably would have gotten it 2000, maybe 2001. Don't know. Um, but I like that he kept um, his original idea, which was an undersea world. Um... Kept the name Bob. That's a sponge. Changed it to SpongeBob. I like all that. So let's talk about the voice actors. We have Tom Kenny as SpongeBob and Gary the Snail, Bill Fackerbaki as Patrick Starr, Roger Bumpus as Squidward Tentacles, Clancy Brown as Mr. Krabs. Um, Tom Kenny uh, was chosen by um, Derek Dryman and Hillenburg because of his work on Rocco's Modern Life. Um, as you remember, remember from the beginning, uh, Hillenburg was the creative director on Rocco's Modern Life, and when that show ended, uh, he began 
work on SpongeBob. Um, Tom Kenny actually uh, was chosen because uh, Derek Dryman and Hillenberg remembered a throwaway character that he did on Rocco's Modern Life that had a very, uh, very like uh, childlike but adultish helium type voice. Um, and somehow Tom Kenny remembered that voice and he brought it back and did a little bit of work to it, and that was SpongeBob. Originally, Bill Fagerbacki was not the original voice of Patrick. It was Mr. Lawrence, the future voice of Plankton. Originally, Patrick was supposed to be a little bit older, a little bit more of a darker character. He was supposed to own a bar, and they wanted him to have this deep, gravelly voice, but they uh, changed him to be this lovable dummy that would be SpongeBob's best friend and live, you know, to a house down from him. Eventually, Mr. Lawrence would come back as Plankton, um, the arch nemesis of Mr. Krabs. Uh, a little bit of the lore here. SpongeBob, Patrick, and Squidward live on Conch Street, which is actually the main street of Bikini Bottom, which runs, um, as you can see in the show, into like a uh, into a T in front of the Krusty Krab. So SpongeBob actually does live pretty close to the Krusty Krab. Um, and then it says on here the population of Bikini Bottom's a little over 560. Uh, but sometimes it looks like there's more, sometimes it looks like there's less, but the residents of Bikini Bottom live under the island of Bikini Atoll, which is in the Marshall Islands of the Pacific Ocean. Um, I think this also has a little bit to do with the nuclear test that went on there, but that's just, you know, YouTube nonsense lore. But that's just a theory. <laughs> so let's talk about the impact on SpongeBob on our lives. Um... We watched this show religiously as children, watched a little bit as teenagers. We just got back deep into it as adults. And we wanted to uh, talk about our love for the series and for other people who also have grown up with this series and grown to love this series. It's definitely one of the most impactful cartoons that I've ever watched in my life and definitely one of the ones that has had the most work and love put into it by its creators. Yes, I would agree to that. And also, we only chose the first three seasons. Um, we say 116 episodes. What we mean is um, every episode split into its own. So we're not doing 1A, 1B, 1C. Those would be 1, 2, 3, um, which I think one of the later DVDs actually does. Um, it claims on the SpongeBob Wikia, which is where we're getting most of our stuff, Um that there is two, a little over 200 episodes, but if you're going by what, the way we're doing it, there's no telling. There could be 400. Who knows? Um, we're not worried about seasons 4 through 11 because Steven Hillenburg and Derek Dryman, um, Derek Dryman left. Steven Hillenburg passed it on because he felt like the show should have ended with the movie, um, but the movie was so successful and it got more people to know about SpongeBob that Nickelodeon... Um, decided to bankroll Spongebob and make Spongebob their Mickey Mouse, essentially, and make lots more Spongebob. Um, season 4 has some good episodes in it. We may dive a little bit into those. It just depends on what the people want. But we consider seasons 1 through 3 to be the golden, the, the creme de la creme of Spongebob. Uh, and as far as people who are very interested in it, lore are concerned... Uh, anything past the movie is extremely murky waters when dealing with what's canon and what is not. Because 
uh, past the movie, the lore behind SpongeBob has changed many, many times. And so, especially for uh, continuity, it is very, very important to just stick with the original one through three seasons and the movie. Also, the quality dips tremendously. Um, I would probably say five, maybe season six, which a lot of people say they like season five. I think these people don't realize how good season one through three is. Um, There's not a bad episode of season one through three. It just seems like SpongeBob, after season, maybe halfway through season four, kind of forgot what it was, and it started becoming other things that just had SpongeBob in it. Uh, SpongeBob was supposed to be this quirky, funny comedy, um, more like situational humor with just a little bit of slapstick, maybe. And then it just got into the weird. I don't know the name of the episode, but the fans out there would probably know it. SpongeBob, to me, and a lot of people agree with this, that it died when the episode when SpongeBob uh, gets the splinter in his thumb and it's very gross. Nothing is funny. And also the episode where Squidward and SpongeBob are at Squidward's house and they're trying to move Squidward's furniture and Squidward, for some reason, has a toenail and it's ripped off. This just becomes uh, very, like, almost like the movie Saw. And, and it's like, it, is this SpongeBob It dives anymore? into grotesque and almost body horror uh, in a way. It's very, very odd and does not feel like SpongeBob in the slightest. It feels like a very different cartoon just with SpongeBob characters plastered over it. Yeah, it's just it's just really weird and... I mean, yes, you know, Gary come home and Squidward with the claw machine and maybe Krusty Towers. Those are okay, but, you know, I don't think the people who got the torch kind of understood, or maybe they just wanted to take SpongeBob in a different direction. But um, we get all these funny lines just in the first episode that, you know, SpongeBob is hilarious, especially the second season and the third season. I mean, it's 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 funny. It's you know, it's for everyone. The humor, um, there's adult humor, there's kid humor. It's for everyone. We actually watched this show with my dad, and he thought it was great. Uh, he thought it was funny as well, uh, just to prove that this worked. Um, but the later seasons, we just didn't get. Um, even uh, even children now don't even like some of the later seasons. I don't know if. As their tastes have changed, but I just don't think the it's appealing to anyone anymore. And this happens with most cartoons where they just keep beating the horse until the horse is no longer a horse and it's just a pile of flesh. Um, I would say, uh, you know, they brought back Futurama and, you know, the later seasons of it were okay, uh, but they ended it. Uh, they have not ended Simpsons, they have not ended Family Guy, and they not ended SpongeBob. Um, Good things need an end. Um, I think we've proven this with many other things, you know, Hollywood right now, uh, and just the television and, and movie industry uh, doesn't seem to let things die. Once they have an IP, they run into the ground until everyone hates it. They try again. Everyone hates it. They try again. People hate it more. Um, you know, we, we see this with The Predator, Terminator, uh, Transformers, Star Trek, Star Wars, uh, this happens all the time. We see TV shows revived constantly, brought back again, revived again. It's just it's just a not never ending cycle of someone throwing up into someone else's mouth and then throwing up back into the same other. It's just it's just nasty. It's wrong. They, you know they brought back Magnum PI. They brought back 
all this other crap. Just stop. Like, I, I'm glad that, you know, if SpongeBob had ended after the movie, you know, they would have brought it back. I mean, they, uh, I keep up with uh, Butch Hartman and his YouTube channel, and he claims that uh, Fairly Odd Parents was canceled five times, and they're still making it. They're even making it without him being there. Um, they might have just now canceled it. I don't know, but um, we know for a fact they're still making SpongeBob. Uh, Hillenburg is back for season 11 uh, because he has AOS and he's afraid that he might pass away soon. So he wants to uh, bring SpongeBob back into the light out of the deep, dark abyss and try to save it. Uh, I think a lot of media needs to take note from quite a lot of uh, anime, especially ones that are very specifically planned out. Uh, with a specific ending, with a specific ending, uh, there's no going past that ending. Once the series is ended, that's it. It is over. Many times they'll specifically set up uh, characters to prevent it from going on. Maybe by having the main character die, by having some main part of the show just simply come to an end. So it is completely impossible to uh, redo the series in uh, any way. Now, obviously, <laughs> uh, they have gotten around this a bit with things like Steins Gate, which was recently has gotten a uh, sort of a soft sequel since the show has to do with time travel. So they were able to get away with this by having a different timeline. But with shows like Cowboy Bebop, it has a very definite beginning and end. There is no bringing that show back. Yeah, and I think that's another thing. It's just all about money right now. It's like, we own this IP, let's bring that back. Uh, but for SpongeBob, it's like, we own this IP. Um, it's kind of become a casual watch cartoon. SpongeBob's the face of Nickelodeon. We have to keep making SpongeBob. Maybe he'll it'll end soon. I would kind of hope Steven Hillenberg would just try to shut it down, try to make a good finale, uh, you know, it'd be weird seeing a SpongeBob finale because, you know, SpongeBob really doesn't age and he, you know, like most shows, he doesn't have a girlfriend, doesn't have a relationship. Um, there wouldn't be that weird, like the end of Futurama where, you know, uh, Fry and Lila get married or, you know, like most shows where, you know, they try to, they try to close as many lids as they can. It's especially obvious with shows that kind of ended almost suddenly, like Phineas and Ferb and Chowder. Phineas and Ferb had a sort of uh, rise to their finale, a kind of build-up, but it still kind of felt very off because we see the characters much older and, you know, they try and close all loose ends. But then we have a show like Chowder, which got cancelled very abruptly, so they simply had to make this very, very poor finale in which Chowder just grows up all of a sudden, Everything that is known in the show has changed. Everything is now over, and the show just abruptly ends. So it's going to be quite difficult to see any sort of foreseeable finale for SpongeBob, especially considering how many things in the show simply haven't changed. They have been complete constants. So to see them try and tie up any loose ends in this regard is going to be a very big challenge. And yeah, and they've... I don't know how many movies they made after the Spongebob movie. I know that they made Sponge Out of Water. And there was also the TV movie Atlantis. There could have been another one. I don't remember. But um, 
The Atlantis one was okay. It was also weird. It it wasn't very SpongeBobby. Um, very odd humor. But we know that they're working on a sp- another SpongeBob movie right now. Um, people say that might be the end, but we know Nickelodeon wants to make a movie. This thing becomes semi popular again, so they make another season. Um, and it's just not as good. And they need if it was to happen. The finale, I don't know what they would do. I mean, I don't want them to have them to pull older SpongeBob gets the Krusty Krab, Mr. Krabs retires, and are all, you know that's just that's what everyone else does. I think the best thing to do would just have it go on in our minds. Just have SpongeBob be the same. The finale, in my opinion, should just be basically the first episode, Help Wanted. But rather than SpongeBob getting the job, it is just SpongeBob having a normal day at his job. Camera zooms out, and we have the theme song one final time, uh, implying that everything goes on as it would, just in our minds. There's no everyone, something major happens. You know, SpongeBob doesn't get the Krusty Krab, and Mr. Krabs retires. You know, Squidward doesn't become you know big time. Everything is just as it was when it began. I think that's the best way they could possibly handle it. Uh, any other way would just be quite awkward. Yeah, I, I I agree. And also getting let, getting back into the theme a little bit, um, we need to talk about um this 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 show and you know, everything is under the sea. Of course they make many jokes about, you know, they can have fire under the sea and all this other funny stuff. But um we have the pipe houses, you know, the crusty crab, uh we later have, you know, uh, shady shoals and all this other kind of stuff. We you know, we have coral everywhere. The clouds have been replaced with these flower things. They're very reminiscent of Hawaiian shirts. Um, yes, very Hawaiian themed. The Hawaiian music really makes it. It kind of fades out later on, I think. I, not, I could be wrong, but I mean, the steel guitar is really great in the first three seasons. The music is fantastic. Um, I would say the only post-movie music that's good to me would be Gary Come Home. Um but you know we we get the later on we get the great song between Mr. Krabs and SpongeBob about uh you know girls a girl and you know all these other good songs you know sp- music is another big factor in SpongeBob i would say colors a great factor in SpongeBob um we're so used to cartoons trying to have this either like dark look or super overcolored look but especially the first season cuz it's cell animated and everything's hand painted it kind of has this lived-in look, uh, you know, and it feels like you're underwater. Everything stays extremely in touch with the nautical theme. Yes. Uh, even with uh, the Krusty Krab, in the original sketches, the walls of the Krusty Krab were sort of uh, bamboo, like uh, a Hawaiian, more Hawaiian theme. But then they were replaced with sort of steel with uh, rivets, much like... Uh, a boat, much like a boat, like a steel ship, mm-hmm. and much of the other architecture shown later in the show follows uh, suit with many of the buildings being this sort of riveted steel, much like uh, ships, sort of almost implying like they're built out of uh, sunken wreckage. Which makes sense because it, it be a specific ocean. It's the Marshall Islands. Uh, that's you know the Battle of the Midway was near there. Um, it's you know it's Bikini Atoll. Uh, but we also get the Hawaiian theme a little bit because it's also close to Hawaii. Uh, not super close, but it's still in the Pacific Ocean. Um, it's an island. Um, 
But this show has some of the best characters of all time. It is one of the greatest cartoons of all time. Um, it also has one of the greatest animated movies of all time. Um, even video games are fantastic. Um, the voice actors are incredible. They do many other voices. Um, later we get, you know, Plankton, Sandy. We get Pearl. We get Larry the Lobster. Uh, we get SpongeBob's parents. We get SpongeBob's grandmother. Uh, we get... Uh, um, we get Mrs. Puff. Mrs. Puff. We get um, what's the guy's name? Who's always says my my leg? I think his name's. I want to say Jeff. Just everything that was put into this show was just, you know, the heart and soul of everyone involved. It was never about the money. You know, Stephen Hillenburg himself was a marine biologist. Money wasn't entirely something that he uh, cared about. He just wanted to put his love for the ocean uh, and his talent in, uh, you know, animation uh, and story writing into this show. And it shows tremendously. And every voice actor involved uh, loved the show and they were very in love with the characters that they voiced. And that also extremely shows through uh, each one's performances. That's one thing uh, about... Just Spongebob as a whole. The voice actors are the same. They have not left the show. Why would they? They're making money. They're getting to do characters they love. They're getting to explore the characters. And Spongebob's voice does change as time goes on. But that's because people's voices change as time goes on. Even people who are older. Like Tom Kenny. Who I think when he started might have been in his 30s. Now he's, you know, 40s. Uh, Just a little correction here. The guy who says, My leg! About a hundred times in the show is named Fred. Uh, there's many memes about Fred on the internet. SpongeBob has become, to me, it's been kind of revived because of memes. Uh, we have to talk about memes because we see memes all the time. And a lot of SpongeBob memes. SpongeBob is the king of memes. Uh, I think it's... Uh, the, the, the biggest reason why SpongeBob has become a meme in many different ways and formats is just because... Uh, the generation that grew up with SpongeBob is the one that's predominantly consuming and making uh, this stuff. Right. And especially the, some of the first uh, seasons, there's just so many different situations and uh, things like that that come up that people can you know make into representing someone else. Obviously, one of the best best examples of this is where people will just find a scene uh, in the show. And then relate it to some other real world or other show. Right. Because, I mean, that's how memes work. You can, you can take any scene from a TV show and apply it to something else. But I think it's just funnier because it's Spongebob. It's so ridiculous already. And then you add it with this, you know, crappy internet culture. And it's just, it's hilarious. You're taking these already ridiculous scenes out of their own context and giving them your own context. Right. Especially people who know the context of the original scene. It makes it uh, a much funnier. But winding down here, let's go over our the best quotes of this episode, which is, you know, fantastic. I mean, we could probably quote the whole transcript as a one giant quote because we could it's do a just, live reading of the of the the show which everything is, is is every every part of the dialogue is memorable right which is kind of how this podcast started uh 
back uh, in the spring, another friend of mine um, named Landon as well, uh, me and him did a live reading of the Chocolate with Nuts episode where the famous chocolate comes from. And we read it word for word, tried to do impressions of everything. And it was funny. No, it didn't get a lot of YouTube views. But then when uh, this fall, we realized there wasn't a SpongeBob podcast. We were like, well, let's just merge the two worlds. We'll probably have Landon on later as a guest um, because he loves SpongeBob as well. He sends me SpongeBob memes at least every day. Uh, We sort of know probably most of the original season's quotes by heart and we recite them quite regularly in situations where they're relevant because the entire uh, beginning of the show the first three seasons are extremely memorable and they mean a lot to us and that's just kind of how we are we quote stuff constantly uh, daily I'm either quoting Willy Wonka Spongebob Christmas Story or just some random 80s movie uh, all the time. Or I'm quoting Infinity War because it's you know it's fresh on my mind. And we get a SpongeBob reference in Infinity War. We get a Squidward little reference there. But um, winding down here, Kenny, let's have you do your favorite quote. Uh, my favorite quote is probably when SpongeBob chickens out of going into the Krusty Krab and turns around and immediately bumps into Patrick who asked him what he's about to do. Before SpongeBob can even respond, uh, Patrick says, No, you're not. You're going to go in there and get that job. And SpongeBob attempts to make an excuse, but Patrick then starts pumping him up by reminding him of all of the things he's done in his life, claiming that his first words were, May I take your order? And that he's been training for this for his entire life. I would say my favorite quote's in the same scene at the end. Where Patrick strains very hard and he says, Oh, who's a big yellow cube with holes? I am! That's probably my favorite. Also, like, the anchovies, for some reason, say meep. That could be, they got that idea from uh, Beaker from the Muppets. They have very similar designs. Yes, their mouths open at a very uh, high angle like that. Like, almost like a puppet. Uh, They do remind me of Beaker a lot. But yeah, they, they say meep and then... I like the crowd noise of the anchovies going me 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 me, and I like when Squidward laughs that his nose kind of does like an accordion. Uh, I, every character is established so well in the first episode, um, which you know is rare to see sometimes. Um, not yeah. all the time. I, I mean, most shows they get picked up because of this. Um, but SpongeBob was so good at the get-go. It wasn't like some shows, like you hear about these other shows, where it's like, oh, well, the first season, they're just getting started. It's it's not good. But SpongeBob was good out of the gate. It was good the first season, second season, third season. It never had to pick up. No. It was, it was amazing right from the start. We're not talking like a, like a Star Trek The Next Generation here, where the first season and maybe even half the second season was very, very rough. Yeah, SpongeBob is just great from the get-go and it's incredible to see like see a show be like that i would say you know firefly is the same because well first off firefly got one season and that was the last season so i mean if spongebob was to end at the first season um you know it might have become a a cult classic but now it's just uh, a never-ending cycle of 
please get that off the air and let it die um, show. But, you know, that happens sometimes. Uh, I mean, I'm glad SpongeBob has become the Mickey Mouse of Nickelodeon, but I think it's time to put them to rest. But we're going to do this for every episode. Um, we're not going to go into deep as to our lives or into lore or into uh, almost... Uh, uh, philosophy of spongebob in the later episodes we just wanted to go out of the gate strong uh just like the first episode start off with a bang make sure we establish everything uh of course you know we get things wrong we are human uh we mess up sometimes we had to cut many times in this episode because of laughter and because of stuttering if you would like to message us about anything we did wrong we'll have contact info in the description on both uh, YouTube and whatever other platform you are listening on. Yeah, well, first we're going to get this on to Apple Podcasts, and then we're going to try to get it onto YouTube, um, and then we will establish a email and contact info then. But for right now, we're just going to keep it small, uh, try to just get, try to knock out a lot of episodes of the first season, try to establish a good way to record this, a good time to record this. But um, I'm excited. Because, uh, you know, this, I mean, you know, I mean, I'm adding another thing into my life that may get in the way, but um, it's Spongebob, so it's fun. Uh, and no no one has done a Spongebob podcast. There's a Futurama podcast. There's a Seinfeld podcast. There's a dozens of Star Trek podcasts. There's shows. Uh, there's podcasts about after shows, after show podcasts, like, you know, After Arrow, right? And all this other kind of crazy stuff. And um, but SpongeBob, at least from me searching, I cannot find a well-known or just at all SpongeBob podcast. So I just think it needed one. It's least, and especially for the first three seasons of the movie, which are regarded as some of the best cartoons ever. Um, and if Futurama can have one, I think. SpongeBob can definitely have one. I'm sure Family Guy has one. I'm not worried about the other podcasts right now. But we did look to other ones for inspiration and for the layout. Um, but we are going to have all the info you need about this episode and the history of SpongeBob in the show notes. We mostly get them from SpongeBob Wikia and from um, Wikipedia, of course, which you know is basically the same thing. Um, but the, the fans have really worked hard on the Spongebob Wikia, so we thank them, we thank all the, all the fans, we hope you subscribe so you get uh, updates on future episodes, um, and we do plan on posting this to our Spongebob, because that is a large fan base, and that's where a lot of the memes come from, um, so, you know, the, maybe the memes will give us a little bit of legs for this podcast, maybe gain us some, a little bit of attention, uh, but we just want to talk about SpongeBob. So, can you have anything any, else to say? Any excuse to to watch SpongeBob in a more professional manner is definitely uh, an opportunity I'll take. Yes, we almost watched Help Wanted three times before this, just because the first time we watched it for fun. The second, two other times we watched it because we had to memorize it. Uh, we already knew it a bit by heart, but it's always good to have it immediately fresh on your mind when wanting to talk about it. We'll talk about more of the history of SpongeBob with ourselves and the history of the show in future episodes uh but from all of us here at bikini bottom live i'm landon and i'm mckinley and thank you for listening Mm